0: Welcome, this is James Barkley and this is Unprecedented Business Growth. Welcome, I've always been interested in the causes that drive rational and irrational thinking and how business leaders act. I'm going to discuss today rational behavior in an irrational market. A common phenomenon in professional soccer in England is wealthy businessmen who are drawn to ownership of soccer clubs. Many businessmen are great at dealing with rational situations that impact the club's fortunes, such as hiring good people, managing cash, setting targets for key people, promoting their brand, and so on. Where they struggle or are often defeated is with the irrational situations. irate fans demanding owners spend more to attract the brightest and best people, when those players are unproven, abuse from fans that's personal and starts to affect their families, a disgruntled star player who feels the club's owners didn't offer him support when his behavior has been publicly castigated and asks for a move to another team, or a gift to a star employee that turns toxic. The firestorm that erupts engulfs the most hard nosed business people. In recent times, Formula One supremos, Irish bloodstock billionaires, US private equity titans, Arabian Gulf money and Chinese clothing and real estate billionaires are but a sorry list of people who have escaped before the flames engulfed them or retreated with diminished fortunes and bloodied egos. The frequency with which it happens defies logic, yet more investors continue to show up. Why? for so-called pleasure would you invest your time, money and ego into a business that more often than not turns sour? It's like they've left their brains at the entrance of the stadium. The answer, of course, is that precisely because the soccer business is largely irrational, so it seduces investors, owners, managers, fans, sponsors and so forth to part with their money. Similarly, for many healthy businesses, particularly in luxury, the growth and expansion into a new global market is driven by irrational rather than rational reasoning. The shareholders and key executives like the idea of saying they're cracking the Chinese market, opening in New York, or on the trail of Asian billionaires. It makes great PR headlines. They don't fail because of the rational decisions they make when setting up in those markets. They fail because they cannot come to terms with the irrational decisions. Of shareholders, consumers, employees, and suppliers. Let me move on and talk about one or two examples. So, how does an executive charged with driving the growth and expansion of their business operate effectively in such circumstances? For there are numerous companies, and indeed whole sectors such as luxury retailing, premium art businesses, family offices, where this is the norm. Number one, Place an emphasis on building a highly trustworthy relationship with your direct report and key influences. Don't rush. Indeed, the longer you take to build that trust before joining the organization, the greater your chances for a long-term tenure. Number two, understand both the logical and emotional priorities of your direct reports and key influences. If you're the CEO, COO, CFO for a family investment company, Spend time in business and social settings, getting to know how the individuals think and act. Who influences those family members, the owner, the key people in your organization that are critical for success? How can you make them look powerful, influential, and claim the credit? Subordinate your ego. For example, a good associate of mine had a relationship with one of the world's largest owners and collectors of impressionist and modern art. Their key reminder to that individual as one of their advisors was that all that they would do was do what they want, not what they need. It sounds counterintuitive, but you need to find a way to make it work technically and ethically. In that scenario, that individual has managed to survive for 22 years in a relationship where almost every other advisor to that family has departed. Number three, accept that the operating beliefs, and by that I mean the values, that are manifest in your direct report's behavior and attitudes will only successfully change where you can show it's in the other party's best interest to do so. For example, hooliganism in the UK football clubs was endemic during the 1980s but it changed because the well-behaved fans were persuaded that it was in their best interest to work with the police and clubs to spot and eject the troublemakers. In just the same way, in irrational markets or businesses, change will only happen effectively where the shareholders, consumers, employees and suppliers see their best interests served by adapting their behavior or attitude. I'd like to close with a story. In my dim and distant past, I worked as a reinsurance broker in the United States. I was introduced to a widely old character, Elmer, who ran a successful managing general agency whose insurance programs were highly profitable and many insurers wanted to write his business. Over a period of seven months, I solicited his business, meeting in person, sharing ideas, and valuable information. There were three of us competing for his business. He called me and started with the comment, Do you want to hear the good news or the bad news? I said, let's start with the bad news. Well, you're offering me the least attractive terms and I'm struggling to see why we should work together. Well, that didn't sound an awfully promising start. What about the good news? You took the time when you last visited to help my assistant resolve a personal homeowner's claim that's been a major concern to her and her family. We need someone who understands that addressing those types of personal, emotional issues is critical to my effectiveness and my employees' success. You're hired. What are you doing to apply rational thought and behavior in an irrational business? Thank you for listening. It's been a pleasure to have you today, and I look forward to welcoming you in future.